leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are back again. I'm Renee Small here as the co-host of the Breaking Into Cybersecurity podcast series live on LinkedIn. And I am here with my buddy, Dr. Dan Schaefer. Dan, say hi to everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we're here Mondays with Dan. And this week, you all have been amazing over the past, gosh, this has been, I think, six weeks now. I think this is the sixth week, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That we've been having these sessions. And as you all been having fun, we've been having a blast. So uh, a couple of things I'll introduce myself. As you all know, I am a cybersecurity super recruiter helping executives, team, um, CEOs, CTOs, CIOs hire uh, the folks underneath them that security leaders and their staff. And Dr. Dan, um, I'll let you introduce yourself, Dan. Yeah, uh, I'm a business and sports psychologist. What, what we do is I help people get a competitive edge. Some people say what I provide them is street, street smart strategies for a competitive edge. So a lot of this has to do with what an individual needs to have happen uh, and then how an individual needs to be more effective and communicate with their teams and what people are trying to present and promote business to. So it's a it's across the board uh, looking at anything that could possibly derail what your plans are personally and corporately. Perfect. So every week we've been coming on and chatting a bit because of the challenges going on, obviously, with COVID-19. This is a Black Swan event, unprecedented. Many of us have never seen anything like this in our lifetimes. Um, And so Dan has been here to help us get through these challenging times. And every week we kind of bring up what's been going on the week before. Now, what I'm hearing a lot of right now is in regards to cybersecurity executive, actually all levels of cybersecurity professionals. Um, one of the things I, I posted a, a, a LinkedIn post this weekend and asked people, I read a New York Times article. I had a conversation last week with um, the podcast co-host from Hacker Valley Studios, and we were chatting about remote work as a whole and what people, how people are feeling or what we think will happen in terms of remote work going forward after this. In between last week, what I've been hearing from a lot of uh, cybersecurity folks was that they were getting anxiety and stress around the actual going back to work, going back out of the the home. So going back into an office, because many of us have been working from home pretty much at full capacity you know, doing our jobs here, the security uh, leaders and executives that I'm talking to and, and managers, everyone has pretty much been, you know, business somewhat as usual at home. Um, so the concern right now is the anxiety around going back to the office. So Dan, I want to start off, kick it off with that and say, what you know, what, what would you tell people um, that are dealing with this and what are you seeing this week? Well, when, when I do these stress management programs, I think the most important thing is for people to identify where the stress comes from. Is the stress, is there stress, the anxiety from leaving home to go to work? Is it walking into the office? Is it being closer to people than they've ever been in six to eight weeks? Uh, is, is it a safe environment for them to go into? Uh, what do they have to do in coming home from their workplace to home with their family and their children and their elder parents and stuff if they're living with them. So it, it, it's, once again, everyone is different. So I think people need to explore 
what's happening with it. Now, there's a way to separate that, to separate those situations. But the most important thing is to recognize that it's happening. One of the things we started out talking about, we talked throughout this whole series so far, uh, is the impact that stress has on the, on the operation of a business, particularly invisible stuff like errors, omissions, accidents, and safety. Mistakes go up, uh, accidents happen, people are, are distracted, uh, safety issues. So it, it's important to understand that whatever situation you're in, if you're running a company, uh, if you have people underneath you, you have to decide, do you want to take care of those things uh, with your teams if you want to hand it off? It's, you know, it's, I used the example with a client yesterday. He said to me, send everything to me and I'll take care of it. And I said, okay. I said, but you're like a quarterback who I've worked with. Uh, and, you know, he gets the ball. And he said to me, well, I'm not happy with the way the play went. I said, well, I have a solution for you. I said, take this snap. I said, throw the pass downfield and run down the field and catch it. And you run in for the touchdown. And so it's taking advantage of people who are around you who can take this stuff right off your plate which is, you know, are you going to try to recruit a cybersecurity professional yourself or are you going to call it a? It seems to me like a no-brainer. You know, one of the things I talk with clients about is, is that most people want to get in a situation where they say, uh, I want to, uh, I want somebody to say, I'll use you as an example. I, I want, Renee could say, I want people to say, I'm going to hire Renee to recruit, to build my cybersecurity team. I think it's a much more powerful message when they say, I don't want to not hire Renee to do it because they don't want to go forward without it. So that plays into some things we've talked about, but uh, I think everybody has to examine the situation for themselves. Right. And what would you say to people? I know um, some of the folks you've been talking to this week, we chatted a little bit about, you know, what they're doing and, you know, you have all of your clients out in 2025, which I think is so, so powerful right now um, as we all deal with this. So talk to us about a little bit about your, your current, some of your clients that you've been talking to last week and 2025. Okay. I have a system that I put together to help people to move forward to accomplish what they want to accomplish. And I find so many people, and I've been fortunate to work globally with senior executives in, in HP, for example, right underneath Carly Fiorina and, and understand what it is that they need to have happen. But uh, everybody looks like they're in the present. But I believe that there are some people who are very creative who are already out in the future. And so, and there are a lot of people who are running companies who have goals and aspirations. And there are others who don't see beyond, you know, the next three months. So when I talk about having my clients, and I, my system is very simple. I take a person very quickly out to 2025. You tell me, I give you a magic wand, you wave it, and now you're in 2025. Tell me what it looks like. What are your strengths in 2025? What are your weaknesses, the areas that you can personally develop, you or your team? What opportunities are there? What opportunities have already passed you by that, that, uh, that you can never recover, what opportunities are pass you by that if you make some effort now, you can, uh, what opportunities are right in front of you and what opportunities are coming down the track. And the other thing is risk. So it's like a, a high-level uh, SWOT analysis put on steroids that gets you to come back to say, you know, uh, what do I need to have happen right now that's not happening? So the objective, that the people that I'm working with, is rather than trying to, close business or develop a business relationship in 2020, I asked them, I think it's a lot easier to do in 2025. Because once you get somebody out to 2025 in, in their mind, and then they start to look backwards, we look for anything that could possibly happen. It could derail uh, that effort. What could possibly foul up your effort of coming backwards? And then knowing the mistakes ahead of time, being able to uh, be more effective in eliminating them, preventing them. 
So, you know, when, one of the things that we've talked about on previous programs is that I tell people, you know, partly laughing is that what I do is I sell them mistakes. It's a lot less expensive to buy somebody else's mistakes than it is to make your own because your own mistakes can be very, very costly. So how do you eliminate that? Now, that's part of this whole program I have. And I'll just mention it now. Uh, anybody who wants to go to my website and subscribe to my newsletter can do that. Uh, and what we're going to do is by the end of the week, we're going to include a, a free piece out of my book, Cliff, on power communication. But if you just go on and register, and then we can become part of getting some of this information on a consistent basis. Right. So the is, is if you're meeting with a client, and I have somebody who I talked to two days ago who's, who's negotiating, and I said, you're negotiating with a company to move into that company, immediately get the person you're talking to after 2025. Because that's they're not expecting that. And you're mm -hmm. the way they dream it. And this could be used for because some of some of these folks are not necessarily um, having external clients. You know, their clients could be a job interview, the person that's looking to hire you. Um, it could be your your internal uh, clients. So if you're in security and you partner with engineering or you partner with um, you know, operations or whatever other groups that you're connecting with, it could be that. Absolutely. And, and I found, you know, if they, it's important that people recognize who their internal clients are because one depends on another. I mean, I did a program for a communication company years ago and the people who were out in the field who were selling, and this is global, uh, would come back and they'd say, I call my, I call tech support at my office and they treat me like, like I'm terrible. You know, they don't realize that they're part of the solution here. So it's, uh, the, the important thing I think is to have a good sense of what your A game is. How do you, how do you build and continue to build your A game and then bringing your A game into the field? Uh, and hopefully everybody else is bringing their A game in. Then you have a really wonderful organization. But sometimes what I find is is that it's important that people take this kind of stuff and hand it off to somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I had the guy, guy this morning handed off uh, two people in his company who were relatives, and he said to me, I don't have to deal with them. You know, I want to deal with, I want somebody else to take care of this stuff. Particularly if it's not what they do well. Mm-hmm. So what would you say in terms when you talk about bringing your A game, how do people even know what their A game is? Fantastic question. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll go back to my, my hockey players. I worked for 25 years with hockey, hockey goaltenders. Uh, and I said to them, I said, what is it like? when you perform at your best and everybody can really sit back and say, what is it like when I perform at my best? What do I hear myself saying to myself? How do I talk to myself? So I would say to Renee, what does Renee hear Renee saying to Renee when Renee overhears Renee talking to Renee? <laughs> because the way you talk to yourself can derail you and, and it can do that with your, your employees, people who work for you on your team, and everybody is running this, this tape. And I'll give the tape. We've used this all the time. People say, I can't stop the tape. It keeps running over and over and over and over and over again. I said, well, you can stop it in a minute. Just try this right now. You push your tongue up on the roof of your mouth, and you see everything stops. You can't think of anything. Why, why is not important? The only thing that's important is that it works every single time. But I said to one of my hockey goaltenders, I said, what is, what's it like when you perform at your best? He said, when I perform at my best, I don't hear any crowds. No matter how loud the crowd is, I don't hear anything. He says, the puck is the size of a dinner plate. And the game moves very, very slowly. Anytime one of those three things change, I know I'm losing my concentration. I said, well, what do you do to get back? He says, well, I just hope that it comes back. I said, hope is not a strategy. 
So they use this strategy and a couple of others that I have to bring themselves right back into the game. So the, the beauty of this is that you can know your control of your mind game. You're controlling how you talk to yourself. You know, people talk to a lot today about worry and concern. And they don't want to be distracted. What, what worries you? When do you worry? And I have a wonderful worry strategy. We've laughed about this for a long time. I say to people, listen, pick a time of day. Let's say it's 5 to 5.15. When are you going to do absolutely nothing but worry? So at 5, five o'clock, you come back into your house, you sit in the corner, face the corner, you worry for 15 minutes. But if you get up in the morning and you start to worry about something and you realize it's going to distract you all day, if you snap your fingers and you say 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock, your subconscious mind will let you know that you can get to that five o'clock and then worry. Now, the only problem is if you don't show up at five o'clock to worry, your subconscious mind is not going to play that game with you. But it works. I think people would be surprised about how much the subconscious mind um, just affects everything. It, anybody who's played a sport knows you know, uh, some people have, have, have uh, had a play in football and, and they'll say to themselves afterwards, how did that ever happen? How did, how did I make that happen? Like, it happens automatically. Mm-hmm. The issue is, is that I use, I mean, I, and anybody who sends me and re- sends me a note, an email, uh, I'll send them Chad Pennington's forward to my book. Well, he said, you know, he uses hypnosis to focus and concentrate and eliminate distraction. But it's like anything else, you know, what distracts people today? You have to pay attention and notice what distracts you. Mm-hmm. And you can't control what you can't see, hear, or feel. So if you can hear the self-talk, you can control it. If your team hears self-control, they can, can they control it. But, you know, you take a professional athlete. If he starts to feel himself slip, if he starts to feel himself missing what's going on or not being, he feel like I'm not really in the game today. Mm-hmm. What does he do? Who does he talk to? Can't talk to a coach who maybe pull him out. Can't talk to his family. He doesn't. So he's alone at the top. And many, many people that you and I have dealt with over a period of time and that we're dealing with right now, are alone at the top. They have absolutely nobody to hand anything off to. Yeah. And so what it is, you know, what, what do you have to lose to pick up the phone and say, here's what I'm dealing with. Can you help me? I'll tell you in five minutes if I can help you. But it's, it's committing to picking the phone up and making a call. Right. So it, but it, it's uh, for people who, that's why I think one of the big, things on my speed on my mistakes list for people there's no speed dial you know you taught me this years ago Renee when somebody has got to fill a slot it's really a critical slot in their company and they wake they wake up at night what am I going to do where I wake up in the morning now what do I do and then they go to HR and HR starts to look out for people to try to get somebody and people would just call you on your cell phone and say Renee I need this guy and then so the minute they've handed it off to you and I know somebody else is taking care of it, it's fine. Now, does this work all the time? No, but it works a lot of the time. I mean, you know, you, you talk about people who go into situations unprepared. Even preparation for competition today is amazing. Uh, people don't prepare the way an athlete prepares. And so they go in and they, you know, they don't, they wing it. The amount of people who are winging presentations is astounding to me. Mm. When a whole, when their, their career or a client or a multi-million dollar contract depends on it, they wing it. They wing it. Athletes don't do that. I'll tell my Super Bowl story real quick. Super Bowl three, Dave Herman protected Joe Namath from Bubba Smith. I said, I said Dave was two six two two fifty. Bubba Smith was 6'7", 365 or something. I said, how did you do that? He said, I watch game films. I said, what do you watch for? He said, I figure when a guy that big has got to move forward, he has to be standing on one foot just a little bit longer than everybody else. He says, all I looked for was when his toe came up. 
that's all I paid attention to when the toe came up. And so here's a guy with four quarters and numerous downs to win the Super Bowl. And he prepared to that degree. How does somebody who's trying to build a career or, or uh, move up within a company not prepare? Who are they? You know, you mentioned about job interviews. Who is, who are they talking to? What are they saying? Who's making the decisions? What kind of questions are they asking? You know, yeah. I had one guy who was in cybersecurity and he, and he said to me, I'm, I'm moving from one position to another. He said, I'm interviewing for jobs. I said, well, wait a minute, let me ask you a question. I said, are they interviewing you or are you interviewing them? You want to get to the position where you are interviewing them because you're the guy with the, with the skills and the talent that they need. Yeah. You have to make a decision. Do I want to work for this firm? What's their culture? Yeah. Yeah, we have that. I think I have that conversation multiple times a day and bring it up on all the different um, podcasts and live streams because it's something that's so necessary. And especially, I think more senior folks or more executive level tend to do that more. But when it comes to the, the more junior folks, they for them, it's a little bit of an interrogation. And they're not asking and really trying to figure out if the opportunity is a good fit for them you know, for their lifestyles, for them, for whatever they have going on. Um, they're just really super concerned about getting in. Um, there's a there's a question here. Nirvana says, how do you take that great mindset into voice tone for phone work? What what does that great tone sound like for teleconference with your work team? Uh, I would just say, imagine you're sitting right next to them. Imagine you're sitting sitting with them. I mean, with Zoom, you see, you have a Zoom call right in front of you. But it's, you know, remote management is, is certainly challenging, particularly when people have been thrust into it with no, no training or no system to do it. Uh, I know we've talked about this on previous calls. Um, when you have somebody who runs a country, for example, for a major company like HP, and they have people in four or five other countries that are on their team. You can't use a traditional management strategy. You have to move into a coaching culture. And that, that provides some challenges for people who are accomplished leaders because a lot of people who are really good at what they do don't know how they do what they do. Mm-hmm. And so unconscious competence gets in their way. Yeah. So then if they move into a coaching system, uh, which is, you know, a whole system that you can work through and figure out. And we, we do that routinely with people. How do you set up a coaching culture? Yeah. The, the thing that convinces somebody who's the least bit skeptical about the coaching culture is the first time they save a multi-million dollar account by coaching a person before they went in to negotiate. It's like, oh, my God, if this person went in and did what they were planning to do, we'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and I had that with a law firm. A law firm said to me, you know, uh, I didn't believe it until this young person came to me and told me how they were going to conduct this trial. It was e- it was easy. It was a hanger. It seemed to be no way we could lose it. She found a way we could lose it. <laughs> so I was able to stop it and get her and coach her into what she, how she should interact. And he said, but, uh, but it was, it was very close. Yep. So AJ says, good point. Train on the smallest details to better, to be better than the competition. I think you're, he's talking about your Joe Namath um, yeah. example. But, it, it, but who would ever think about that? I mean, I, when he said to me, I watch game films, I figured he was watching performations and that nothing that small. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you profile a group of people who you're going to talk about, talk to, and understand who they are, what they want to have happen, how you need to speak to them? Just simply, you have the choice. Of, if you're talking to a right-handed person, are you going to sit on their right-handed side or their left-handed side? Think about that for a minute. Yeah. If you want to persuade somebody who's right-handed, you want to sit on their right-handed side because they're much more comfortable turning to the right than they are to the left. And just knowing that 
walking into a scenario, especially if you don't if you don't necessarily know that person or know if they're right-handed or left-handed, you know, that preliminary background research is what people don't I don't even people think people think to do research they, they like don't, that. Don't. I mean, I, I was at a, a conference one time and this guy was six, seven, was in his in his booth at this uh, trade show. And he said to me, you know, no, nobody comes over to me. I said, look at you. <laughs> you know, you're six, seven. People have to look up to you. You should be sitting down talking eye to eye with somebody. Plus, when you start to move into somebody's personal space, you don't know whether they're intimidating you or not. You know, somebody said you have to be very careful with hand movements. You know, uh, always consider your body a box, your shoulders and your waist, so your hands stay in the middle of the box. He said, you start to move your hands up, you have no idea what that unconsciously means to somebody who may Mm -hmm. have eaten a hit, you know? Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. So, you know, and we're open to any kind of, and the other thing about questions is very interesting. You know, people routinely avoid asking questions if they think there's any possibility that the question they ask could be revealed, reveal who they are. And so that's why I say it's, it's easier. I mean, the people I dealt with this morning, they work for a large company. They're going to send me their personal emails and their cell phone numbers. So we're, nothing goes into the company. Everything is run privately outside. That, that keeps the maximum confidentiality that's required to make these kinds of things happen effectively. So Edmund has, a good, has a, some questions. Hi, Dan. It's been two months now. And I've not worked or gone into the office due to the nature of my job and customers. There's absolutely no remote work. After being home for this long of a time, I've become very lazy. I don't wake up from bed until 8 a.m., which is a new thing to me. I'm always an early person. I spend too much time behind the screens watching TV series, movies, video games, etc. Every time I think about returning to the office when this COVID-19 is over, I get stressed out about it. I seem to have become so comfortable with my current idle and lazy lifestyle. What will you advise me to do and how not to worry about returning back to the office or stop thinking about returning to the office? This, this Edmund, I got to tell you, I've heard this probably a dozen times this past week. This exact, this kind of a scenario, not, not exactly, but the anxiety around going back. Uh, I, I, I don't know what Edmund does. Is he a cybersecurity person? What does he do? Um, he's a cloud architect, so he does some type of, yeah, he does okay. cybersecurity stuff. Um, but it looks like he hasn't been doing it. Whatever he used to do, it was in the office. It was not. Okay. He couldn't do it remotely for his clients, okay. for his customers. So let, let's let's say he decided. First of all, I believe that everybody is a CEO of their own company. Every one of the people I worked with at Hewlett Packard started their own consulting company. Uh, they started to look at the resources they had, the knowledge they had, the people they knew, people who they had worked with who left, uh, and start to think of themselves as running their own company. So I would say to Edmund, uh, come up with a name for your company. <coughs> uh Go on Vistaprint, look for some business cards, and just start to consider yourself as running your own company. Because every, if you are the CEO of your own company, every decision you make becomes a business decision. What you eat, what you drink, what you see, what you smoke, how much you watch on TV, those are all business decisions. And this works great with student athletes and professional athletes because they really are running a business, but they don't they don't think they're running a business. It's difficult to be in business today under any circumstance, but it's really critical to be in business when you don't know you are. So I'll tell you, start, a, start to think of yourself as a company. When you get a business card with your name on it, uh, and just for example, you could make it the Edmund Group. What do you do? Cloud, whatever it is, technology. Architect. Uh, you know, 
cloud architect. Now the question is, is maybe he needs to write some articles. I don't know how long he's been in the business, but maybe he can start to write a book about cloud architects or reach out to people who need cloud architects. Now, Renee knows that I probably have no idea what cloud architects are. <laughs> but, but the point is that that doesn't make any difference. There are people who do, you know. So I think I think that uh, start, start your own company. And if you want to go on my website, look at some of the videos. There's information on there. Uh, if you wanted to contact me, I'll send you a, a way to look at that and set yourself up. But on the website is an article called The CEO Athlete. And that's got a lot of stuff about running your own company. Yeah, Dan, that's a, that's a piece of advice that you've given so many people, um, including me, over the years. Us, especially your student athletes. Um, and I know your athletes, your professional athletes. Um, but it's such, I think it's so eye-opening to think of yourself that way, that you're in control. I think it, it really has even the youngest folks understanding that they're in control. Like, so this other thing, other things that are out there that are out of your control, they're things that you are in control of. And when you look at yourself in that way and you see that you're the CEO of your, of yourself, of your world, um, it's definitely a shift in the, in the mind. Sure it is. I mean, if, you know, if, if Edmund sees himself as a CEO of his own company, then he doesn't have a job. He's got a mm -hmm. consulting company that has been retained by the people he's working for now to consult with them for cloud architecture. Mm -hmm. But he says, go ahead. What did he say? He says, thank you so much, Dan. I've been thinking about starting a small tech company designing cloud platforms and other things. Okay, so, so my question for him is, what's he waiting for? <laughs> get off the phone, come up with the name, go online, get the business card. And then once you plug that into your sub, you see the interesting thing about 2025 with your subconscious mind is your subconscious mind must act out every thought, image, or idea you put into it. And the minute he comes up with a company name and he puts... He, he takes himself out to 2025. Then he's already in business. Mm -hmm. All that happens is the subconscious mind starts to drag him in that direction. Do this, don't do that. Different ideas come out. And then, you know, write, he, he could write a book about what he's doing right now, what this process is like for him now. Yeah. But I think the thing is, is that, you know, it really, and there are a lot of people in this situation. Yeah. Even LinkedIn posts. I mean, Edmund, you could be putting out, I know tons of us want to understand cloud architecture. Um, there's so many people out here that you could be explaining to future clients, current clients, you know, there's no need to, even if you're sleeping in, you know, when you get up at eight, nine, 10 o'clock, there is a whole wide world of people on LinkedIn who are dying for this information, who really truly want to understand the intricacies of what you do. So sharing that with folks and really, you know, um, explaining things that people, most of us, like to Dan's point, has no idea. We, most of us don't have no idea what you guys are doing. I've even heard of, I've talked to leaders, I've talked to CISOs who said their CIOs, CTOs, CEOs have no clue what it is to run a cybersecurity organization, what it is to stand up, stand up a program. They have no idea what's going on. And especially you folks that are super technical, the architects of the world, like it's like speaking a different language to these folks. So just putting out on LinkedIn, you know, doing doing either videos or writing blogs or or little not you know, LinkedIn posts to kind of explain what you're doing. That in and of itself, like that shows thought leadership and it shows what you're doing and it shows people that you are the CEO of your own company, of yourself. You know, you could, if, if you made, if you go on my website and you find my, there's an article called it's Money and Mistakes and look at the list of mistakes that my clients have made before they became my client. 
And then you make a list of the mistakes that your clients made before they became your client and what it cost them in money, emotion, or reputation. And then instead of selling the features and benefits of cloud architecture, sell the mistakes that people make. Silver Edmund says, I think the reason I get so comfortable is because I still get paid full salary by his, by my employer. So he's still getting paid a full check. Well, that that's okay. But, you know, uh, my question is what we're talking about here is a safety net. Mm-hmm. Now, you can, you can market what you do for your company. You can, you, I don't know enough about this, but how you attract new clients, how do you get people to talk to you, what, uh, what would be valuable to bring back getting paid that way. Mm-hmm. And certainly, uh, you know, I find a lot of people saying that the first investment I want to make is in myself. And so that's what, where my clients come from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, and I'll just run through it. People probably wonder what the system is. It's pretty simple. It's, uh, it starts out with taking a, a survey that takes you out to 2025, which you can reuse for yourself, for anybody you're trying to deal with. Then I have a risk assessment that shows a person every single place that they can uh, they can uh, derail going forward. And then uh, they, you know, people dip their toe in the water and say, is this something I want to do? And then, you know, I've had people that have worked with me for years. But it's, this is, and this is absolutely not therapy. Your three smart strategies. How do you, how do you do what you need to do to persuade and influence people with integrity? I mean, competitive edge strategies, the, the thing that tops the list for people today is how do I communicate effectively? How do I change what my normal communication is to the individual I'm talking to? Um, how do I prepare to compete? You know, is doing what you do now. Yeah. But Edmund, great questions. Reach out to Dan, Edmund. On his website. Take a look at the website. But just, you know, Renee, I can give you my number now. 917-880-6758. Text them. Yeah, and then it's fundamental first question. What do you personally need to have happen right now that's not happening? Yeah. And you find out what's in the way. And this is not for everybody. However, the other thing, too, is is that uh, people who take this type of an effort seldom, if ever, talk about it. Visibility is one of my biggest issues because I've been in a room full of people who are clients. Everybody is thanking everybody else for all the help they gave them. They never thank them because nobody ever wants to know that somebody is working on competitive edge strategies. They're really covert. The whole thing is under the radar. Nobody knows about you, Dan. Huh? I said nobody knows. (laughs) Nobody knows what you're up to. No, nobody knows. But but you know it, it it's it's important to people. I mean, I did a I did a program for a dental organization, and the dentist asked me to come and speak to them about competitive edge strategies. And when I was finished, he said I was very disappointed. I said why? He said nobody asked any questions. I said they're all competing with each other. They're not going to ask questions. My hockey players. I did a program for 95 of the country's top hockey goaltenders some years ago. Any questions? No questions after the clinic. So at the end, I, I figured, what, what did I do wrong that I got no questions? I had 40 kids online along a wall saying to myself, I would never ask a question in front of people who I'm competing with. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why this being covert, under the radar, on the phone, it becomes intriguing, but it's definitely an edge. It's about getting an edge, about winning. Yeah. Yep. Dan, like I said before, what I loved about when I first met you, you said um, 
people come to me when losing is not an option. Right. So that always, that always stuck with me um, from, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago. I said that. Well, yeah. Losing is not an option. So, but you you bring up an interesting point up because today winning is a problem for some people. Mm -hmm. Generation of people who got trophies for showing up. Just show up, you get a trophy. And so that works against them. I did a program for a girls ice hockey team and they said there was our biggest challenge. What makes us most uncomfortable is when we beat somebody to have to be at a party with them the following night. I don't wanna I don't wanna be around somebody who I've beaten. I don't see this. I don't like I don't like this thing about winning. Everything's a competition. Everybody has to win. I said, okay, there's two people looking for a job or for a position. You and a person sitting next to you. Who do you want to get the job? <laughs> Who had the job? I said, Do you want to win? No, it's that's not winning. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. But but again, it you know what what happens? So what what works for you and what works against you? Yeah. Okay, Nirvana has a question, and then we have to wrap because we're getting close to noon Eastern. So she says, how can we talk about our services with leaders who do not know about the benefits of our specialty? That's a great, great one that comes up. She should call me and spend 15 free minutes with me on the phone about that question. But the point is, uh, first of all, you know, you, you have to understand that there are very few people who understand what you guys do. They just don't know. They have no idea what the challenges you're facing. They have no idea about what you have to do to protect your company. And see, talking to somebody who doesn't understand. So I think that what happens is, is you have to look at the way the brain does not work on features and benefits. The brain works on skepticism, reactance, and inertia. They're going to be skeptical about what you're talking about, or they're not going to have any idea and be embarrassed to tell you that they have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, reactance is they don't want to be sold. You have to try to sell. I, I say to people, I don't, I don't close a sale with anybody. People do it with me themselves. I want to work with you, and that's it. Uh, and inertia is all the things somebody needs to do to change from what they're doing to something else. So you could explain everything that you know about to a, a prospect and your imagination that they will then be able to turn around and sell you up within the company to explain what you do to somebody else is possible. That's why you need to find a way to get in front of those people. I mean, that's what I, that's, and, I, and again, I'm very vague about what I do because it's not clear because it's different with everybody. Mm-hmm. And these leaders, Nirvana, I, I'm telling you, I've had numerous conversations with leaders overall, with cybersecurity executives who say straight up in their own in their own organizations. So this is a you know, if you're working for a company, and you you know, I'm just picking a random company, McDonald's, CIO, CTO, whoever the CISO there reports to. Nine times out of ten the folks that are on top have no idea what this person is doing. And I keep hearing this and I keep hearing it over and over again from the executive level and the, the next level down. So think about that. If you're inside the organization and they don't fully understand, then you're outside talking to them about some type of product or service or something. They really we <laughs> don't understand. You know, um, it, it's like what I said with the tongue on the roof of the mouth at the beginning of, of today. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any difference how it works, just that it works. It works. Yeah. How much time does somebody have to spend to talk to you about what they're doing? It's, you know. Yeah, for sure. So um, we are at almost 45 minutes. Okay. And we've had some really good conversations. I already texted Nirvana your number. I texted Edmund your number. So okay. please reach out to Dan directly. 
text him. He is super responsive. Um, Dan, a couple things. Thank you again for being here, for providing this insight to people. Like I said before, you know, I have you here for them. I have you here for me. <laughs> even even in recruiting, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, Nirvana talks about how people don't necessarily know what she's doing. People don't under fully understand the intricacies of recruiting either. And the, they think they do. Um, oh, Nirvana's a curriculum designer. Okay. So Nirvana's a curriculum designer. So yeah, people don't fully understand this stuff. And everyone, some people tend to think they know what is happening behind the scenes or what's going on. And many of them do not. They have no idea. Um, I, I agree with you. I think the other thing is some person who is embarrassed not to know this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you start to talk to somebody, you know, just when you're talking to somebody about what you do, folks, anybody on the board, just watch their eyes. <laughs> you get this glaze over. You know, you know, you've lost them. And that's why yeah. I think it's interesting. If you if if you could put together if anybody wants to send me a list of the mistakes their clients have made before they became their client and what the mistake cost them in money, emotion, or reputation, send me the mistakes. You don't yeah. even have to sign the paper. But but the point is is that sell the mistakes rather than the solutions. Yep. Because it's yeah. a visible dynamic that works with every deal you make, everything you come up to is called short-term discomfort versus long-term regret. I, yeah. may, I may not want to deal with Renee now, but what I really don't want is to be in 2025 looking at my cybersecurity needs and wishing that I spoke to her in 2020. And we've seen that happen for years now. People yeah. say, oh, my God, I should have called her sooner. Yeah. And then they call and they're, <laughs> they're stressed out for good reason. Right. Because, you know, they, they could have they could have been on the team. They could have been doing this sooner. They could have gotten all of you awesome cybersecurity people on deck sooner. You know? Um, but so, if, yeah. But that's what happens, you know? It happens all the time. We see it all the time. I mean, Dan and I have been working with Dan for way too long, and we see it all the time. And it's funny because because I've been working with Dan for such a long time, I'll say to people, hey, you got to reach out to Dan, talk to Dan, talk to Dan. And they don't understand. I don't think they fully understand. Like you said, Dan, some of your stuff sounds so kind of far out there and vague and they don't fully get it until they finally get it. And they're like, oh, I should have called them last year. I'm like, I wrote this article as Money and Mistakes. And uh, the editor of the magazine who published it said to me, and nobody knows what you do. Tell me what you do. I said, the best thing I can do is I can show you. We were at a cocktail party. She had a glass of red wine. And I said, do you like red wine? She said, I love red wine. I said, okay. I said, you got to be surprised to notice that when you get home to your apartment, you put your key in the door, you turn the key lock, and your hand drops down to the doorknob. The minute your hand touches the doorknob, you're going to think of red wine. She says, oh, come on. So I saw her about a year later. She says, Dan, it went off for a very long time. <laughs> so, so you could, you know, believe me, when, when you're a, uh, a CISO and you're pitching yourself to another company, they're going home uncomfortable because they know that they're being threatened. They know that they're under attack. And the question is, how long do you wait to put your armor on? How long are you going to wait to put your armor on? And then are you going to go to uh, Costco to buy your armor? Are you going to go to somebody who, who's going to get you some <laughs> armor? I mean, this is, what, this is what Renee does. So who, you know, who are you going to go to? Where are you going to buy your protection from? You know, so it's, uh, and that's what it's about. I was telling somebody about talking to all you folks. I said, what's it like? I said, for these people with cybersecurity, it's like standing under Niagara Falls under the water. It never stops. Yeah. It never stops. I was talking to a I was talking to somebody last week and his his profile picture is he's underwater. 
and I told him, I was like, I love your profile picture. He was like, that's what we are always underwater. And it was so true. He's, he was diving. He's this pitcher and he's underwater. And I, I told him your quote. I said, you know, Dan says this all the time. We talk about this every, um, every Monday. We talk about this. Um, and it is, it's what, it's what this community is going through. So as much as we can help, Dan is here to help us. He's going to be here. This is Mondays with Dan. Um, and we will 11-ish every Monday. Going to get Dan on here for the foreseeable future until he says no. Um, I have sent your number, Dan, to Ruth, to um, Monique, to Edmund, to Nirvana. So... Dan, you should be getting a, a good, you should have a busy day today. Tons of text messages right. from the cyber the cybersecurity folks out here. And um, take, advantage, take advantage of the registering for the newsletter. Mm -hmm. Just go on my website, danshayforphd.com. Yep. And uh, sign up for the newsletter. Yeah, exactly. Get in there. Okay. So, Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Dan. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. And I hope everyone had a phenomenal weekend. Um, we will see Dan again on Monday. We have Super Recruiters on Wednesday. We have the Hacker Valley mashup on Fridays. And I have some a couple surprises coming up on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we'll see. We'll see what, what we can, you know, get out here, get pumped out here for LinkedIn for the community happy to do this. If you have questions or if you want to have a topic um, related to careers, related to COVID-19, related to um, most of the time I'm getting information, I'm getting questions about resumes, I'm getting questions about um, interviewing right now, you know, a lot of this remote work, all of that kind of stuff. If you have questions, send them to us, send them to me, and I'll make sure that whichever expert is on will be able to, um, will be able to respond. So thank you all. Thank you, Dan, again. You're welcome. Put Renee's cell phone in your on your speed dial. And the minute you wake up going, oh, my God, what am I going to do next? You just hit send. <laughs> <laughs> I got too many of that, Dan. <laughs> they call it. <laughs> Everybody's calling. All right, guys. I will see everyone. We'll see you with Dan next Monday. And you'll see me on here the rest of the week. So. See you soon. Great. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.